Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the Double Coverage Podcast with myself, Sean Holko, and my partner, Mac Irvin III. And on today's episode, we have a lot to talk about this week, even though sports are still canceled. We actually have a lot to talk about this week. Mac and I are going to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame, which was announced this past Saturday. That'll uh, be our last topic of today. Then we will get into... um, President Trump meeting with commissioners from all sports to discuss plans going forward um, with sports amid the coronavirus. And also in the middle of those two topics, we will talk about the possibility of baseball coming back as soon as May, which for me, I don't know if that seems realistic, but we'll talk about that later here on Double Coverage. How are you doing today, Mac? Uh, I'm still bored. I'm starting to go stir crazy, but we're still alive, so counts for something. Exactly. We're still alive and, and we're thankful for it. And as we talked about last week on the podcast, at least we live in California where it's relatively nice outside. We have had rain uh, a couple days in the past week, but it's still nice to be living in California through all of this. All right. So Mac, let's get into our first topic of today, which is that President Donald Trump met with commissioners from pretty much every sport in America uh, this past week, including WWE World Wrestling Entertainment was even included on that conference call. Uh, So let's just talk about that a little bit, Max. So he talked with all of the MLB commissioners on a conference call, and we know that the report came out um, a couple days later from ESPN's Jeff Passan about possibly starting the MLB season in May. But also in that conference call, the NBA said that they were ahead of shutting down their league and they would love to be at the head of getting things started back up. So when you first heard about this conference call that the president was conducting, what were your first impressions of it? I was a little confused of it, to be honest. I thought, you know, being the president, being the president, I thought he would have had, you know, maybe other things to attend to other than gathering all the sports commissioners on the phone. But nevertheless, that's a, that's another topic for another day. But, uh, I mean, as far as gathering all the, all the sports commissioners, I mean, it kind of makes sense because, you know, he's been so uh, gung-ho about trying to restart the economy and get back to normal as soon as possible. So it would make sense that he would turn to sports where, you know, there's a lot of people getting gathered in a stadium, a lot of players, a lot of staff, a lot of people are affected by this. So I can see why he would, he would turn to them to try to gauge to see where they are in uh in terms of returning exactly because sports are very um i almost said the word essential and i'm not going to say that because the word essential is used in a much different um way in the times of the coronavirus but the the other word that i could use for it is sports is very important for people like you and i and for many people around the country and around the world and sports is how we break away from our normal lives and it and it's just gives us three hours to just focus on our team and screaming at the television um worrying about our team and and for it to just be ripped away from us has been uh very hard some of the commissioners that were there Um, included commissioners from the NHL, WNBA, MLS, NFL, MLB, WWE, PGA Tour, NBA, UFC, IndyCar, LPGA, and the Breeders' Cup. Notably, the only two uh, commissioners that weren't there were from the National Women's Soccer League as well as the NCAA. So, Mac, in regards to the two commissioners that weren't there at all, 
what do you what do you think about that? Do you think that there's anything to the fact that um, that the National Women's Soccer League wasn't there? Was that purposeful or not? And also, um, the NCAA didn't show up at all, but that's also got to be because they already canceled pretty much all of their spring sports seasons, so they, it didn't really apply to them. Well, with regards to the NCAA, I mean, it it was clear the conference call was for like professional sports leagues, right? Which they are not, according to the NCAA themselves. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense why they weren't there on the call if they are, in fact, not a professional league. Uh, but for the National Women's Soccer League, you know, they made the good point that they're, you know, the premier women's sports league in America. So they probably should have been included on that call. I don't know if I'm not sure if it was intentional. You know, it's possible he just forgot. Maybe he doesn't pay attention to them. Uh, but you would think that one of the, you think if you're trying to get all the major leagues, all the major sport leagues, you would include one of the most popular women's sports leagues. It's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. You want to I mean, be the, all... I mean, the, w, the WNBA was there, so I don't really see why. And if MLS was there, you would think, why not get the women's side too? Do you think this this might just me this might just be me digging into something that's not there but we've seen in years past that certain teams when they've won championships have decided not to visit the White House because they don't particularly like the president that's in there right now. Do you think that that could have been the the situation with the National Women's Soccer League? I don't think so because then there would be no reason to invite the NBA, right? If we're talking strictly about teams not going to the White House, you know, the NBA and the NFL, they've had teams skip the skip the skip visits to the White House. So I don't know. Maybe it has, does have something to do with that, but that's for I think that's for people wiser than us to decide. As well as President Trump, um, senior counselor Kellyanne Conway, and special assistant uh, Rudy Giuliani were also or excuse me, not Rudy Giuliani, but Andrew Giuliani, the son of Rudy Giuliani, were also a part of the conference call representing the executive branch. And uh, according to a White House pool report, the quote that came out of it said, the president recognized the good work being done by many teams and players to care for the communities, workforces, and fan bases across the nation. Commissioners thank President Trump for his national leadership and for his interest in the sports industry. President Trump encouraged them to contribute to or continue to support their fellow Americans during this challenging time. And also, Mac, what really stuck out to me from this entire conference call is that President Trump came out after. And I don't remember if it was him making a statement. I think, yeah, it was him making a statement at one of his daily briefings where he said that sports need to return. These people need sports. We need sports in our lives. And he decided to address that at his coronavirus briefing. And I, and I understand that it was relevant because he had the conference call with commissioners. But do you agree with that statement from President Trump where he's saying we need sports to return? And he even went as far to say that he believes the NFL season will start on time in August. You know... With, with regards to the NFL season, it's hard to say whether that season is going to start on time. If you were to ask me today, I'd probably say no, just because of, you know, it doesn't seem like we're getting any closer to, you know, a, a level where everybody is safe to return and come back. But, um, yeah, I mean, personally, I agree. I love sports. I would love for sports to come back. You know, my world was crushed when the NBA announced they were suspending the season. 
But I think when you're talking about uh, the majority of the country, they might see it differently. Yeah, I agree. And, and it really all just depends on, on your viewpoint. But um, regardless of politics, one thing that I liked from um, this entire conference call is that all the sports commissioners got together and, and on the same level um, and pretty much just saying, yes, we want sports to come back, but we also need to listen to the professionals. And uh, if that means doing it without fans in any stadiums until at least September, who knows? But uh, all I know is that whatever sport comes back first, whether if it be basketball or baseball, that sport is going to get very good ratings. Mm-hmm. So, Mac, let's move on to our second topic of today. And I kind of alluded to it there at the end of the last segment, but here it is. Jeff Passan of ESPN came out with a report on Monday night about Major League Baseball possibly returning in the month of May. I will give some more details on that. But first, Mac, when you when you first heard of this news, what were your what were your first thoughts that uh, that initially came into your head um my first thought was they're crazy i just (laughs) i just can't see a scenario evolving where you could have sports in the first couple weeks of may it just doesn't seem feasible to me at this point and you know with this plan that they're talking about there it would require a lot of moving parts a lot of coronavirus tests a lot of, you know, strict schedules and guidelines that you're having thousands of people attend adhere to. You know, you're talking about every team, you're talking about every team's entire roster, plus probably, you know, uh the the uh minor league teams and all their staff. You're gonna talk about putting them in one central location, essentially quarantining them for months at a time. It's it just it doesn't seem feasible to me, to be honest. Yeah, Chris Sale of the Boston Red Sox came out um, on ESPN yesterday and said that I don't think it would be really realistic either, like you just said, because he said it'd be really hard to be away from his wife and children for four to five months. And especially for a guy uh, like Chris Sale, who just had Tommy John surgery, and he's going to be out for the entire 2020 season, regardless of if it's played or not. Are you going to tell him that even though he won't play a second, that he would have to go out to Arizona and be in quarantine and adhere to all these other rules that the players who are actually playing in the games have to? That's where it it gets into the the sticky area. And I don't know if they can move forward with, with terms like that. Yeah, you're talking about moving people away from their families for a long amount of time. And, I mean, it's not even for something that is like you pointed out in the last segment, it's not essential as much as we love sports. It's not an essential thing in the world right now. And I mean, you know, I understand they want to get it back up and running as soon as possible. This just doesn't seem the way forward. for me. So some of the terms that have been discussed, and if you want to read more about this, you can check it out on ESPN.com in a very well done article by Jeff Passan. And so some of these conditions uh, are listed here in bullet point form, and I'll, I'll just read them off. So the first one is implementing an electric strike zone to allow the plate umpires to maintain sufficient distance from the catcher and batter, no mound visits from the catchers or pitching coach, seven-inning double headers 
which with an earlier than expected start date could allow baseball to come closer to a full 162 game season. Regular use of on-field microphones by players as an added bonus for TV viewers. And finally, players sitting in the empty stands six feet apart, the recommended social distancing space, instead of in a dugout. So out of all of those uh, those five possible conditions, Mac, and I know that we already briefly talked about it um, about a minute ago, but out of those five terms, which one stands out to you the most? And then I'll, I'll give mine after. It's got to be the players sitting in the stands six feet apart. So essentially you're going to have a stadium and it's going to be one person over here, one person off to the side and it's six feet from the next person that's six feet to the next person. That just seems crazy to me. And, you know, you know, you're talking about a baseball sport. That sport is based on people in tight spaces, you know, communicating with each other all the time. It seems crazy to me that that would be one of the things that would have to be implemented in this scenario. And that's why I think it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I definitely agree with that one about players actually sitting in the stand six feet away from each other rather than um, sitting in the dugouts, which they normally would. The one that really stuck out to me and out of all five of these, I actually feel like the one that I'm going to mention might be the most realistic one. And that is the electronic strike zone, because that is something that some MLB players, some MLB pitchers, more more specifically, have been asking for for years because they get frustrated with these umpires and they they begin to argue with them. And then they go back and they watch the telecast and they can see an ESPN telecast where they, they paint the box and they can see it's outside of the box or inside of the box and the umpire got the call wrong. So the electronic strike zone would eliminate the human error. So that's that's something I could actually see them moving forward with, regardless of everything going on with the coronavirus. But the other four just are just kind of mind blowing um, in itself. So, do you think that it's realistic at all to to start in May? I know that they weren't saying that they would start the MLB season in May, but they would start spring training and then try to try to get some games started. And and like you had mentioned earlier, they would have all these players basically in quarantine and they would have to shuttle themselves to and from the hotel and then just to the stadium and back. So it would really just be playing the game. So do you think this is realistic at all? Like at all? I mean, there's just, there's like a certain percentage that it could happen, but it's very low. It's single digits. I think, you know, you're just asking way too much of the players and the staff and everyone involved for them to come down for four to five months and just do nothing except play baseball during that time. I know, like, I know the season is long and they kind of do that, you know, in normal times, but you still get to go home and that kind of stuff. You don't get to do that here. And, I mean, you look at every other league that's kind of, like, pushed everything back to, like, July at the at the very earliest June or July at the very earliest. It just doesn't seem realistic or possible for me that these get that they, this plan could be enacted in May. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's realistic at all either. I mean, my birthday is May 23rd, so I'm right at the front of it saying, "Let's have everything be normal by May." I really want it to be normal by May, but I'm also realistic, and I know that we're told to stay at home until at least May 1st. 
So if we all have to stay home until May 1st, how are they going to start playing sports in May? That doesn't really make sense to me. Um, and even the NBA, Commissioner Adam Silver came out and said that they won't even be able to reevaluate and to maybe chart a plan for going forward until May. So the NBA isn't even going to come out with a plan until May, but MLB might start playing in May. Maybe that's them trying to rush to get back on television to get those amazing ratings and to, to get baseball back as America's number one sport from football. I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. The one thing out of those five policies that I mentioned earlier, the one thing I would love to see, at least maybe if we got some more spring training games, is to have those players mic'd up because ESPN did a little experimenting with that, with their spring training coverage uh, before everything got shut down. And it was so entertaining. There was this one play where Freddie Freeman said, okay, this is going to happen. And then that exact thing happened. And it just adds personality to these baseball players. So I would love to see that. But first and foremost, we care about the players' health as the MLB later came out with a statement saying that, Whatever the doctors say, whatever the experts say is what is most important. But we all miss sports, so hopefully it comes back soon, but not too soon to where we have to restart all of this social distancing again and we see a little bit of a relapse. I want to see baseball as much as the next person. I want to see the Astros get theirs. So, you know, I'm eager for baseball to return, unlike any other season before. But you just got to you have to play it safe with this one. Are you buying into any of the conspiracy theories that the Houston Astros somehow conjured up the coronavirus to get nobody to talk about them for this entire 2020 season? I mean, it, it's possible. I'd give it a higher possibility than the season starting in May. Yeah, I would I would give it a higher percentage as well. And also, um, just to, to wrap up this segment, um, it was announced earlier this week that uh, Jeff Luthau and also um, their manager, A.J. Hinch, the former manager and GM of the Houston Astros, their suspensions will be served regardless of if games are played. So if the entire 2020 MLB season is canceled, then they already serve their suspensions and they can return to Major League Baseball, which I just think is ludicrous and just terrible. But that's that's something to be discussed uh, another day here. Rob Manfred is a weasel. <laughs> couldn't have said it better myself mac let's get to our final segment of today which is the basketball hall of fame not just the nba hall of fame but the basketball hall of fame as there was a trio elected to the basketball hall of fame which we pretty much all expected to be um inducted elected into the basketball hall of fame and those three players were the late great kobe bryant Kevin Garnett, and also uh, the big fundamental, Tim Duncan. Uh, and I think I should mention Kobe and also uh, Kevin Garnett's nicknames. You got the Black Mamba, the Big Ticket, and then the big fundamental. So, Mac, we'll get to the other names in a moment. But out of those three guys, in your opinion, who had the best career? Uh, it's hard. It's hard when you start going in comparing players' careers because there's so much to go about it. You know, I – didn't have, I didn't get to see a lot of these guys, like, in their prime a lot. I didn't start watching basketball until, like, the late 2000s. So I pretty much saw the the, the start the start to the tail end of all three of these guys' career, except for maybe Garnett because, you know, he won that championship in 08. But, I mean, for me, it's got to be Kobe Bryant. I mean, one of the greats of all time. And 
it's a shame that his induction has to be over such a somber occasion. Yeah, I I completely um I I agree um in the sense that it's definitely a shame that Kobe Bryant won't be able to be there to make such an iconic speech um which we were all really looking forward to. But just for the sake of argument, Mac, I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm going to say that Tim Duncan actually had a better career than Kobe Bryant. First of all, most of the arguments always go to rings because you always talk about Michael Jordan as one of the greatest because he has six rings, went to six finals, won six rings. Tim Duncan went to six finals and he won five rings. If you think about it, the only time that Tim Duncan lost an NBA finals was to the Miami Heat. In game, we all go back to game six when the Spurs were about to win the championship. And then there's that rebound that Chris Bosch tipped back to Ray Allen. Ray Allen hits the three, the Mike Breen call, bang. And that is what led to Tim Duncan getting his only NBA finals loss. He was an MVP in his career, just like Kobe Bryant. Um, Tim Duncan actually won the MVP twice in 2001. 02 and also 0203. So he went back to back. He was a three time NBA Finals MVP, along with going with his five NBA championships. He was on the all NBA defensive team eight times. And I just think in total that Tim Duncan had a more superior career than Kobe Bryant. And that's no disrespect to the Black Mamba. Um, but that that's just my opinion on that. And like I said, it's always going to come down to personal opinion when it comes to debating players' greatness and who you thought was had a better career. Why I, dis- exactly. why I dislike these kind of arguments, but that's the field I chose. Yeah, you know, well, that is the field you chose. And also the, the fun part about there being no sporting events going on right now is we are likely to hear many more debates like this moving forward in coming weeks here on Double Coverage. Obviously, in a couple weeks, we will uh, talk a lot about the NFL draft Is that is going to start on April 23rd. So um, we we will all talk about the virtual NFL draft, by the way. Yeah, going to be all virtual, as well as the WNBA draft is also going to be all virtual. But uh, with no sporting events, that leads us to, to having debates like this. So... Uh, So here we are. Some other uh, people who were inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame this past weekend, other than that top three of NBA legends, you have WNBA champion and 10-time All-Star Tamika Catchings, who not only had a great WNBA career, but also was a star for Pat Summit at the University of Tennessee. Former Houston Rockets coach Rudy Tomjanovich, who won two championships with the Rockets, and we know those two championships were won in the 90s in that middle period between the the Bulls three-peating where Michael Jordan decided to go play baseball. So shout out to Rudy Tomjanovich. Former collegiate coach Eddie Sutton. Baylor women's basketball coach Kim Mulkey, who is not only a great coach at Baylor and won a national championship there as a coach, but she also had a solid career herself. Uh, She was a great collegiate player at Louisiana Tech, and she would have probably gone on to the WNBA if it had existed during her time. Uh, The final two inductions are former women's college basketball coach Barbara Stevens and former FIBA and IOC executive Patrick Bauman, who are also um, going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mac, final thoughts on the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame 
inductions. Do you think anyone was snubbed? Uh, so I'd have to take a list at who all was eligible before I, you know, telling you if anybody got snubbed. But I mean, looking off the strength of everyone who was inducted and this this go around, this seems like a really strong class, and it seemed like slam dunks for most not all of them looking at their accomplishments and what they've done for the game of basketball, you know, not just in the NBA, but college and the WNBA. And we saw with FIBA with Bauman. So, I mean, looks like a pretty accomplished class for me. Yeah, I agree. This is a very stacked class and some people have been calling it the greatest hall of fame class of all time. I don't know if you could say that because if you look back on some other hall of fame classes, uh, where you have Kareem going in, you have Wilt going in, you have Bill Russell going in, you have Jerry West going in. This is the greatest fraternity you could ever be in if you ever picked up a basketball in your life or coach basketball. So everyone who was uh, inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame is very deserving. The one name that comes to mind for me, Mac, in a situation like this is uh, Chris Webber. Chris Webber still has yet to be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. He had an impressive career at Michigan, a part of the Fab Five. I know he had that one play that he will regret for the rest of his life, calling a timeout in the national championship game against North Carolina when he didn't have a timeout. But he still went on to have an impressive NBA career. He very well could have been an NBA champion in 2002, if not for other circumstances that I'm not going to get into um, here on the podcast, but Chris Webber's a name that comes to mind. Did you just say Tim Donahue referees robbing the Kings? Is that what you said? Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't say those words, but I sure did allude to it. And I'm glad that you picked up what I was putting down. All right, Max. So that's going to do it for episode number 11 of the double coverage podcast. We want to thank everyone for tuning in as you do every single Wednesday, whether if you listen on Apple, Spotify, or if you find us on statehornet.com, we appreciate it. We will be back next Wednesday and we very well will be debating some other topics. Um, Maybe we'll get into best players of all time. Maybe we'll get into best sports movies of all time. We'll debate that in the coming week and we'll, we'll be back at you next Wednesday um, here on double coverage to, to find something to talk about in the sports world. Final words, Mac. Uh, Stay inside. We miss sports. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Wash your hands.